0: Welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, who said business news needs to be all business? Look, I'm going to age myself here. When I was growing up, I remember some of the most intense health messaging that I received was all about smoking or rather not smoking, convincing people to either kick the habit or hopefully never pick up a pack of cigarettes in the first place. But now I find if you're at the pub and you have a gentle look around, it feels like cigarettes were replaced kind of seemingly overnight by a new and different way to get your nicotine high, and that's vaping. For many of us, it crept up as a stepping zone or a natural progression to try and quit smoking. But in this process, a whole new industry has emerged. It's Friday, the 11th of August, and today I want to know what is the business of vaping? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates. It's Simon Harvey. Simon, welcome to The Dive.
1: Hey, Sasha. How are you today?
0: Simon, I'm well, but I'm preparing myself mentally for what might be a little bit of a confronting story today. I'm not sure how I feel about vaping and I'm not sure about how ubiquitous it's become when I go to the pub. Let's start at the beginning of this story. Vapes, as I said, seem to be everywhere. Tell me how they actually got here. How did they emerge?
1: Well, for thousands of years, people have been enjoying that subtle rush of smoking tobacco leaves and getting that hit of nicotine. Simon,
0: you've become Alec. You've gone all the way back and doing a history lesson for
1: me. (laughs) I am indeed. And it was about 200 years ago that doctors actually started realising and speaking about just how harmful smoking can be. Dr. Benjamin Rush was one of the first to point this out. In 1798, he called smoking offensive, while also suggesting, uh, and correctly so, that it can prompt incurable diseases and cancers. And ever since then, inventors have been on a quest to find new ways to get that satisfying nicotine high without those stinky cigarettes.
0: Wow, I did not know. 1798, that is a long time
1: ago. Well, Sasha, in preparation for this episode, I've gone deep in the history uh, around the concern (laughs) around smoking and the rise of vapes. So if you have put a minute on the clock, I'm going to try and do my best and give you a 100-year history of vaping (laughs) in under 60 seconds.
0: Okay, Simon, I was worried when you said 200 years ago, so challenge accepted. Let's put the timer on. Give me a brief history lesson.
1: So let's go, let's have a look at how vaping came to be. In 1927, Joseph Robinson dreamed up what might be the very first electric vaporizer. A device, he said, was for medicinal compounds. But people kept on smoking. It wasn't probably until the 50s and 60s that the general public started becoming concerned about the actual health effects of cigarettes. In 63, another man, Herbert Gilbert, pioneered the smokeless non-tobacco cigarette, but he couldn't find any manufacturers interested in actually making the product. There was other attempts at early e-cigarettes over the years. Jed Rose, he invented the first nicotine patch and he actually experimented with something called distilled smoke in his lab at UCLA in the 80s. But the e-cigarette we know today didn't actually show up until Chinese smoker and pharmacist Hon Lick invented it in around 2003.
0: Simon, very well done. I think you did that with about five seconds left on the clock. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely nailed it. So that was a bit of a brief history. But for those who are still unfamiliar, what exactly is a
1: vape? Yeah, it can seem like magic sometimes looking at someone <laughs> vape. How does it actually work? <laughs>
0: A kind of dark magic maybe, you know, it's not necessarily on the side of the good guys. (laughs)
1: That's right. And vapes are actually made up of three components, a battery, an atomizer, and a cartridge containing even a nicotine or non-nicotine liquid solution. Mm -hmm. When the device is operated, the battery heats up the liquid in the cartridge and the atomizer vaporizes the liquid, emitting it as a mist that the user then inhales. Hence, e-cigarette use is commonly described as vaping. The early models were reusable and had rechargeable batteries with refillable cartridges. But then, around the mid-2000s, something interesting happened. Enter the single-use or disposable e-cigarette.
0: This is interesting, Simon, because I always thought all vapes were the same, but this is the difference with the single-use and the disposable.
1: Yes, and these little guys, they were pre-filled, meant for one-time use, and then they could just be thrown away. And they're super convenient and hassle-free, and this convenience really is what attracted a whole new bunch of users, contributing to the booming vaping market we know today. The 2010s were then the real turning point for e-cigarettes. People began flocking to vaping as a way to quit smoking traditional cigarettes, and the younger crowd got hooked on the flavors and sleek, cool designs that these e-cigarettes offered.
0: That was my first encounter with a vape was a colleague of mine at a previous job who was trying to quit smoking and in turn just became absolutely addicted to his vape.
1: I had exactly the same experience.
0: Yeah. The 2010s, as you said, were a major turning point for another reason And that's because the tobacco giants started getting
1: involved in the industry. Yes, they started getting involved in a big way, buying existing e-cigarette brands and also developing their own products from around 2012. At the time, the global e-cigarette market was really highly fragmented and dominated by independent companies. But by 2018, all the big players, British American Tobacco, Imperial Brands, Japan Tobacco International, and to a lesser degree, Philip Morris International, all had their own flagship e-cigarette brands and were expanding into global markets. In the same year, Altria bought a minority stake in US e-cigarette manufacturer, Jewel Labs. Marlboro maker Altria had taken a 35% stake in Jewel Labs. The board approving a nearly $13 billion investment, 12.8 billion. It values the e-cigarette maker at about $38 billion. Company has been around, what, a couple of years? That is more than double the valuation Jewel had in July. That was during when it had a private funding round.
0: Let's put a pause on the history and let's look at the industry as it is now. Just how big is the vaping industry?
1: According to Euromonitor International, between 2014 and 2021, the value of the global e-cigarette market more than tripled from around 6.8 billion US dollars to nearly 22.8 billion US dollars.
0: That is massive, Simon.
1: Massive growth. And Grandview Research had similar estimates. They valued the global e-cigarette and vape market at around $22.5 billion US dollars in twenty-two, And they expect it to grow a compound annual growth rate of 30.6% from 2023 to 2030. So huge growth.
0: Yeah, it's big and it's getting bigger quickly. So those are the headline numbers, Simon. But if there's one thing I've learned during the dive, it doesn't tell the full story. Is there any other statistics that can give us a, a picture of what the vaping industry looks like?
1: That's right, Sasha. Loads are the numbers, but they don't tell that full story. And the story really is about the amount of young people getting into vaping. So in the US, at least a quarter of teens say they've tried it. Well, about 6% of people at high school vape regularly In Australia, according to the Generation Vape Study published in the Australian New Zealand Journal of Public Health, 32%, so a third of teenagers, said they've tried it, vaping. And interestingly, of these, more than half, 54% had never previously smoked. Wow. Of those teens that said they vaped, 86% are using those disposable vapes we talked about earlier. And the study actually went on to say that the enormous range of vape flavors is really appealing to children. So, from chewing gum to fruit and soft drink, even dessert flavours. It's unsurprising that teens actually rate these flavours and taste as the most important characteristic of deciding which vape to use. Very bright, very vibrant. The sort of thing that I can imagine seeing in a in a sweet aisle somewhere in a mm-hmm. in a corner shop or a, or a supermarket.
0: I mean, those are really startling statistics, Simon. Do we know how many vapors there are in Australia?
1: So according to the Australian Association of Convenience Stores, they claim there's already 1.1 million vapors in the country.
0: Wow. So we wanted to know how big the industry is. It's huge and it seems to be growing Which led to Australian Health Minister Mark Butler to announce a crackdown on recreational vaping. And he said, vaping has now become the number one behavioural issue in high schools. And it's becoming widespread in primary schools as well. That is terrifying. So after the break, let's unpack how schools and governments are trying to break up this business.
1: Let's talk about vaping in Australia because the country is set to ban recreational vaping. Australia is set to introduce tough new restrictions on vaping. As the federal government declares war on e-cigarettes.
0: Welcome back to The Dive. Today we're talking about vaping. Schools and governments are going to pretty extreme lengths to try and manage the number of kids who are picking up these disposable e-cigarettes. Look, Simon... Why don't we start with schools? Because I think it's clear they're really the front line of this battle.
1: Yes, Sasha, as outlined in the previous section, a lot of young people are vaping. And some schools here in Australia are starting to fight back. So we're seeing now that a lot of schools are installing vape detectors in bathrooms. So these units can pick up the chemical reaction left by the vapes. And these detectors then remotely connect to a computer program that emails or texts the teachers in real time to tell them that vaping has been detected in bathrooms.
0: That's so clever because you do wonder. they don't. It doesn't smell quite as potent as cigarette smoke. So it did make me wonder how they catch you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the school on the Gold Coast has gone even further. They're actually installing perforated screens so teachers can see into the bathrooms and see if that vape is in there and if kids are vaping. Wow. Also in Queensland, Queensland's Teachers Professional Association Secretary, Tracy Tully, she's spearheading a campaign to allow for students' bags and pockets to be checked and have army veterans brought in to educate them on the dangers of smoking. Tully said, as well as monitoring students on school grounds and checking bags if they suspect someone's vaping, Veterans are great role models who can actually educate students with informative programs about the dangers of vaping. Teachers and school leaders, as you would know, they're time poor. So the sorts of things I believe that we should be doing is using our veterans, our army veterans, our armed forces veterans who are in the tens of thousands out there and are more than capable to be going into schools and delivering excellent programs to help our students who desperately need it now more than ever.
0: We heard earlier that you said that 1.1 million Australians are vaping. According to the CEO of Australian Association of Convenience Stores, AACS, they said, we believe there were up to 90 million nicotine vapes being imported into Australia in the calendar year 2022. And they're all unregulated. So now the Australian government is also cracking down.
1: They are. In May this year, Health Minister Mark Butler announced this crackdown, which will see recreational vaping outlawed, the importation of non-pharmaceutical vapes outlawed and tight restrictions on the flavours and packaging of the products. The new regulations still have a long way to go before coming to effect. They need to pass Parliament before becoming law. And Butler has said himself the federal government will require the help of its state and federal counterparts to implement the changes. But under the regulations, it would be illegal for retail stores to sell vapes. And the only way to legally buy them would be through pharmacies with a prescription, meaning it would put an end to recreational vaping.
0: Our focus is not on the people buying. Our focus is on the people selling. This has been a vendor-driven, corporate-driven phenomenon that we've seen. And so when we talk about enforcement, the state and territory governments and, and us, we're focused very much on importers and vendors. But Simon, as quickly as governments crack down on one form of tobacco, another one pops up because while we were over in the US, we heard that a lot of people had already moved on from vaping. It seems shows how uncool I am. I thought I was just getting up to speed with vaping and everyone's decided that's old hat because now the new thing is oral nicotine packages like Zen. We haven't really seen that in Australia yet. What are they?
1: The most popular brands in this space, Zinn, On and Velo, are oral nicotine pouches, which are a type of tobacco product that is placed between the gum and cheek or lip. These pouches deliver nicotine through the lining of the mouth, straight to the bloodstream. The maker of Zinn and the biggest company in this space is Swedish Match. And guess What? What? Would you believe it? (laughs) Tobacco giant Philip Morris bought Swedish Match earlier this year.
0: Of course they did. Uh, That doesn't surprise me at all. So that's the US, Simon. Reports from friends who've travelled to Europe have said that smokers over there have moved on from vapes to heated tobacco sticks.
1: That's right, Sasha. I think it's just another sign that the industry is moving faster than ever. As governments crack down on one form of tobacco delivery, the big tobacco players in the industry is inventing other methods.
0: Well, Simon, a massive industry right under our noses. I have a feeling it's not going to be the last time we talk about vaping.
1: Absolutely. I think we're going to be talking about this for a while to come. Yet, Sasha.
0: Yeah. Look. A quick favor. I'd love to ask you to open your podcast player, give us a five-star review and write some nice things. Hopefully we do read all your reviews and I do take your feedback on board. So we really appreciate it if you've done that. Also, here's why all of those reviews, all of those five-star reviews, they help the magic algorithms of podcast players push us in front of other listeners. It really does help us grow. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you. See you next time.
0: Yeah, until next time. Take care. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services License 540697. 540697.